Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Unified Rules of Podcast. I'm Eric Hamidi, and today we're going to do something a little different. First of all, today I'll be doing this episode on my own. And also, I know at the end of the last episode, we mentioned how we were going to have episode nine be about Habib Nurmagomedov, but something kind of interesting came up. I've seen a lot of people put up their best of 2020 or put out their own best of 2020 episodes or give their takes on KO of the year, submission of the year, fight of the year. So I thought it'd be a little interesting to do my own best of 2020 episode. I'm not going to do as many awards as some other shows or some other individuals might. There are just six categories that I'm going to give. The awards are submission of the year, event of the year, or my favorite event of the year, knockout of the year, fight of the year, male fighter of the year, and female fighter of the year. First and foremost, before I go any further, I want to say Happy New Year to everybody, and I hope you all had a safe and fun holiday. And there was something that I wanted to mention about what happened during this process of making my selections for the best of. And one thing was that these were not easy choices to make. What I found was that I kept going back and forth with all these different options that I had. And some of these were really hard to make choices. And I don't know. I feel like that's just attributed to the fact that even though 2020 was as rough of a year as it was, there still were some really great moments in MMA. And then the other thing is that this was actually a cool thing that I discovered in trying to pick my best of 2020, is that even though MMA is an objective sort of thing, it's an objective sport. There's definitive winners, there's definitive numbers, but in picking out the best of 2020, there's some subjectivity involved with it. And this is the type of subjectivity you would find in works of art, whether it's movies, TV shows, songs, paintings, everyone's going to have a different take on what they think is the best or what their favorite is. And that's just depending on their own beliefs and what they look for, what caters to them, what they like, what they're thinking about when they're making all these selections. So that was something that I wasn't expecting going into this that I thought was kind of cool. Even though MMA is a sport, making all your choices for the best of 2020 has that subjective point of view that you would find in other mediums. And if anybody has different selections or you want to give your thoughts about my choices, you can message us. You can also put a comments in any posts that we have. I would love to hear from you guys. It'd be interesting to see if you agree or disagree and why. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention was that even though I did discover that there's some subjectivity involved with this, I really did my best to try to balance between my own personal preferences, but at the same time, also being logical or being analytical and really picking actual contenders and actual good choices for all these different categories. So while everybody's going to be different, it's not as though I just picked random fights that shouldn't even be on here. I tried to pick the cream of the crop and maybe that's why it was such a tough decision or it was such a tough choice to make. So 
With all that out of the way, let's get into the first award. My submission of the year. And before I give the nominees and then the winner, one thing that I wanted to say was what my thought process is in picking the submission of the year. Now, sometimes I pick submissions that look creative or look different, unique, impressive, such as an inverted triangle choke or a flying reverse triangle, stuff like that. And I pick that, those submissions because they're a little harder to pull off and they look impressive. And if you're going to do a modified version of a submission, it's going to require more technique. However, that's not the only thing that I consider. It's not as if if you do a crazy submission, that's a guaranteed win in my book. I, I look at other things as far as the context of the fight, how it made me feel, how that submission made me feel, how excited I was, and possibly what it meant to somebody's career. So I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there and sort of give you an idea of how I go about picking all these different options. My choices came down to Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje at UFC 254. The reason why that was one of the nominees was because Habib executed a lot of technique in getting that. He had, the re he had a really good S-mount from top and then fell back into the triangle. I thought it looked pretty slick. I feel like that fight kind of added to Habib's legacy because he continued his undefeated streak. It just continued his dominant run. It's almost as if that fight just really cemented his legacy, and it really just made you feel as though he is one of the greatest of all time. And plus, considering all the stuff that he went through with his father passing away kind of enhanced that moment, you really got a sense of how great of a fighter Habib was. Another nominee was AJ McKee versus Darian Caldwell. I went with that because it looked different. It was from an unusual position. AJ McKee was on his back and he had Darian Caldwell in his guard and he had a modified neck crank. So I thought that looked pretty trippy. It kind of looked like a guillotine choke or it's sort of a mix between a neck crank and a guillotine choke or what have you. I thought that was pretty cool looking. He ended up winning the fight with that. So I figured that deserved recognition. So that was in there. And then the other one was Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavidez, the second fight. And the reason I went with that one was because when Davison Figueredo had the rear naked choke on Joseph, he was really bending his back backwards and putting a lot of torque on it. When you look at the face on, on Benavidez, it, it looked pretty intense. So I thought that deserved to be in there. And also that won him the flyweight title, and it would just put an exclamation point on the fight that he was dominating. The last one was Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen at UFC 250. It was a very dominant and impressive performance by Aljamain Sterling. He got the rear naked choke on him, and ultimately, that's the one that I went with. So, my submission of the year, Aljamain Sterling over Corey Sanhagen. And the reason why was because I remember when the fight was over, I was watching it, and I was just blown away by Aljamain Sterling. He had a really dominant performance. He looked impressive. It continued his five-fight win streak, and it earned him a title shot against Piotr Jan. I remember when I saw that fight, I just was, I was very impressed by Aljamain Sterling, and 
it just seemed as though it was all Aljamain Sterling, that fight. The best way that I could describe it is that it was like a steamroller slowly rolling over an inanimate object and crushing it. That's what Aljamain Sterling was. He was the steamroller just slowly but surely crushing the object that he's going over. And that was just impressive. I kept going back and forth between the AJ McKee and the Aljamain Sterling one. And I don't know, it was just the AJ McKee one, even though it was a modified neck crank and it was something different or something we don't see all that much. For whatever reason, I just wasn't wowed by it. I wasn't, I don't know. I just, I didn't, it's, it wasn't like other times where I've seen an inverted triangle or a, a modified Kimura or anything like that, where it just, really amazed me and I guess since I didn't have that feeling and with the Aljamain Sterling fight since I really had that reaction of just being impressed that's why I went with him and that may be due to the fact that I didn't watch the fight live like I did Aljamain Sterling but I will give AJ McKee the most creative submission of the year all right so the next award we're going to give is event of the year and when I go about picking this one I try to base my pick based on how good the fights were, was there name value behind it, the hype around it, and also how I felt about the event on a personal level. The nominees are UFC 249 that happened in May. There were a lot of noteworthy names on there, exciting finishes like Francis Ngannou over Jarzinho Rosenstruck. It also featured Dominic Cruz versus Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title. And then Justin Gaethje won his fight against Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight title, which basically dashed all hopes, or seemingly all hopes, for a Habib Nurmagomedov fight. It had Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, among a bunch of other names. And also, when you consider the storyline going into that event, the fact that it was the first UFC event since their hiatus from the COVID pandemic, and there was a lot of... There were a lot of questions and there were a lot of eyes on this event to see how it would go. UFC 250, because of the performance from Amanda Nunes as well as Cody Garbrandt and Aljamain Sterling. Not to mention Sean O'Malley got an impressive knockout over Eddie Wineland. So that happened in June. And then the month after that, UFC 251 was also a choice that I had, just given the fact that it was the UFC's first event on Fight Island. There were three title fights on there. There was all this intrigue behind the event, just given the fact that it's on an island and what is it going to look like? And not to mention you had the whole ordeal of Jorge Masvidal, just whether, just, just in the sense that first he's not on the event and then Gilbert Burns is out of the equation. Jorge Masvidal is going to be put in. Let's wait until he passes his COVID test. And then once he's actually in, everybody got excited. You're thinking, is he going to pull off the upset? And that was one of the few pay-per-views this year that got a million buys or more. And also, from a personal level, I picked this one just because this was one of our best episodes, or this was one of our most popular episodes of the podcast. It's gotten the most amount of plays. So I guess just having fun with that and being able to talk about its correlation to Mortal Kombat or Enter the Dragon and how it sort of appealed to the masses that's another reason why i included in there 
And then the last event I considered was UFC 256 because that had a lot of names on there that I was interested in seeing how they do. It, it featured people like Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira, Junior Dos Santos, Jacare, and then it also had the Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo fight for the flyweight title. So I thought that should be in there. And ultimately, I went with UFC 251. That's my event of the year or my favorite event of 2020, just given the reasons that I mentioned. And I also wanted to give a consideration or give a shout out to these two events. I really, I, I liked Bellator 238 and Whitaker versus Till. Bellator 238 because I actually went there live. It was at the forum and that was one that I went with Edmund. And that's also where Edmund and I got the idea to do this podcast. It kind of originated while we were sitting there talking and all that stuff. And it just came up. But I didn't feel like the whole card was uberly stacked. So that's why I felt like I couldn't put that as my event of the year. And then Whitaker versus Till. I like that event just given the, the people that were on there, such as Robert Whitaker, Shogun Hua, Rogerio Noguera, Fabricio Verdum. So because of those fights, I had it on there, but I felt like I couldn't go with it because it didn't have... It was just those four fights that I was interested in. I felt as though I couldn't put those as my event of the year if I'm looking at the entire event as a whole. Next up, we got Knockout of the Year. And the way that I try to pick this one is based on if I saw it in real time or live, although that's not the only consideration that I take into account. I also make my decision just based on how I felt when I saw it or just how impactful it was and other outside factors such as what it meant to a certain fighter to get that knockout or to get that victory. So with all that being said, the choices that it came down to was Cody Garbrandt versus Rafael Sansao at UFC 250 just because he had that last second KO of Sansao. Just the sounds that you heard when he landed on him and then you hear the horn go off, it just sort of emphasized that moment or made it that much more impactful. When I watched that, it just created this impact. When you hear the sound of Cody Garbrandt punching a Sansao and the commentators are going like, oh, and then you you hear the horn going off. It just all that. I feel like audio really plays a big factor into that KO. But just the fact that it happened at the end of the round as the round finished, I thought that was pretty crazy because you think Rafael Asuncao, he's going to make it to the next round. But then it just at the last second, Cody lands this. I thought that was impressive. And when you watch it, it's crazy because Cody, he he ducks. And then he comes back up and lands that shot on Rafael Asuncao. And this is all while he's maintaining eye contact with Rafael Asuncao. So that was pretty cool looking and it made, me, it made me feel excited. So that's one of the choices. On that same card actually was Sean O'Malley versus Eddie Wineland. That's a nominee that I have just given how impressive and looked. It was a pretty solid shot that he landed and Sean O'Malley was kind of walking him down. And even as Eddie Wineland was falling back, he's still walking towards him or moving forward a little bit before he just has that walk off. It just looked pretty slick. So I thought that deserved some recognition. Joaquin Buckley versus Impa Kasanganai. I hope I'm saying that right. And this one is crazy because 
Joaquin Buckley, he throws a kick that Impa catches and he spins, lands a back kick on Impa that just knocks him out. And then Impa just falls down. It was a crazy looking knockout. You can find it on YouTube. Check it out. I thought because of how impressive it looked and how crazy it looked, it had to be on there. And it just had this accuracy behind it, this impact, this flashiness to it. So taking all those things into consideration, I had to pick that. And also the way that you see Impa just fall backwards, just put an exclamation point behind all of that. And then the last one was Kevin Holland versus Jacare Souza from UFC 256. And I picked that one because it was from an unusual position and it was so unexpected. Kevin Holland, he's getting up and then he just lands that shot and knocks out Jacare. And for me, that was a fight that just made me go, oh my lord, that, that was literally my reaction after that fight. So I thought that deserved some recognition and that deserved to be on there. I thought Jacare was going to win that fight, but ultimately that didn't end up happening. So because of the wow factor behind that or how impressive that looked, that was also a consideration that I had. When it comes to my knockout of the year, I kept going back and forth between the Cody Garbrandt one and the Joaquin Buckley one. It was very hard for me to come to a decision about that. Ultimately, if I'm basing this off the best knockout of the year, I had to go with Buckley. Just given the fact that it looked as, pre as impressive as it did. And not only that, it was technically sound. It wasn't just this wild haymaker. He, he actually landed his target. And there you go. There's my knockout of the year. Although I will say, if we're basing this award, this knockout of the year, based on fights that I actually saw in real time or live, or my favorite one, I would give it the Cody Garbrandt one, just given all the reasons that I've already mentioned. And then the last thing I'll say about Kevin Holland is that I was impressed with Kevin Holland when it happened, but it's just, I don't know, looking back on it, I feel as though it's one of those fights that was more exciting if you actually saw it in real time or that you saw it live. Because when I saw replays of Kevin Holland and Jacare, I just didn't get that same wow factor. I didn't get that same type of impressed feeling like I did with Cody Garbrandt. With Cody Garbrandt, that always makes me just as excited as when I first saw it or I'm as impressed and I'm still wowed by it like I was when I first saw it. So there you go. Best KO of the year, Joaquin Buckley. Favorite one though for me personally, Cody Garbrandt. All right, the next award that we're going to give is Fight of the Year. And something that I wanted to mention as far as how I go about picking my Fight of the Year is that I try to pick it based on these considerations. I try to pick a fight that showcases all facets of MMA. I'm typically not a fan of just stand-up affairs. It just being all striking. There's also groundwork involved. That's just something that for me personally, I like fights that are multidimensional because after all, this is mixed martial arts and I want to see that in a particular bout. I just feel as though it makes it more exciting and dynamic. I also look for fights that are very competitive where the tides shift a lot 
and also I try to I like to pick a fight that has that strenuousness vibe to it and just showcase how physically taxing MMA can be. If I can feel that from an MMA fight, then those are the ones that I really enjoy. That's what I look for in an MMA fight. So with all that being said, here are the nominees. First is Joanna Young Jacek versus Wiley Zhang from UFC 248. That was for the women's strawweight title. That was an epic affair that really took a physical toll on both competitors. And I think down the road, it's going to be considered, well, it already is, but I think in time, its legendary status is just going to grow. It is one of, if not the best fights in MMA history. So there's that. And then the next one is Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. This was at a fight night event in June, which I thought was also pretty epic. And then the last one was Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight championship at UFC 256 last month. And honestly, I wouldn't blame you if you picked any of these fights for fight of the year or as your personal fight of the year. I really wouldn't argue because I feel as though they all deserve it. But for me personally, my fight of the year is Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. And the reason why I went with that was because that showcased all the different facets of MMA. There was your striking, your groundwork, submission attempts, takedowns. So I found that to be very entertaining. And you had that competitive back and forth strenuousness that I like to see in MMA fights. When I think about that type of strenuousness that I look for in a fight and to sort of get that vibe from a particular MMA fight, I felt that exhausting sort of vibe from watching them compete. Although Joanna and Zhang was a very hard fought bout, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel that strenuousness that I did in the Dustin Poirier Dan Hooker fight. So, given all that and how entertained and wowed I was with that fight, that's my fight of the year. All right, the next award is my male fighter of the year. And there isn't really too much of a criteria that I have for this, other than the fact that, at least for me personally, they needed to have fought more than once. And also, I look at a particular fighter's overall year as far as the performances they had, the wins that they had, how they won them, what it did for their career, and what they were able to accomplish. All that stuff. So, with that being said, here are the choices. I will say, I didn't give a whole lot of consideration to Jan Blachowicz. Blachowicz? I hope I'm saying that right. I didn't really consider him too much as my fighter of the year, not as much as the other guys. However, I feel as though I just need to mention his name to give him a shout out because he did fight twice this year, won both of them, including over Dominic Reyes to win the UFC light heavyweight title after it was vacated by John Jones. So I thought that deserved some props and that's really impressive on his part and it's good on him, especially given the fact that he's 37 and when he first started in the UFC, he was kind of having a little bit of a tough time. He had some losses there. So I thought 
he deserved to be recognized for his accomplishments. Props to him. Good for him. I'm happy that he got that. And I even considered Charles Oliveira as my fighter of the year, just given the fact that he won both of his fights this year and he beat Tony Ferguson last month, which was sort of, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a coming out party because he was already on the rise and people knew that Oliveira was good and he's coming up and he's come a long way. But to have that type of a performance over Tony Ferguson, who was for a long time considered one of the top lightweights in all of MMA, that just really impressed people. That got a lot of people's attention and really upped his stock even more. So I thought that deserved recognition. There's Israel Adesanya, who fought twice this year, won both of them, defended his middleweight belt, and... I mean, they were, well, the Yoel Romero one was heavily criticized, but the Paulo Costa one was a dominant performance by him. Very impressive, and people were amazed by that. But ultimately, for me personally, I ended up going with Davison Figueredo as my male fighter of the year. And the reason why I went with him was because he fought four times, he won three of them. He had dominant performances against Joseph Benavides both times and Alex Perez. Became the flyweight champion of the UFC. Plus, he had that fight of the year candidate with Brandon Moreno. He was really the one guy who was able to have that star-making year because he was able to fight more than, than twice. And for me personally... I feel as though Davison Figueredo became the face of the flyweight division and rejuvenated it when it was kind of needed because there was a time where, or for a while, people were unsure about the status of the flyweight division. But now that you have a champion who's as dominant as he is, I think it's safe to say that the flyweight division is secure at this point and people don't have to worry about it being dissolved. I think the flyweight division is pretty secure. So just the fact that he was able to win the title and perform the way he did is why I picked Davison Figueredo as my male fighter of the year. And the last award that we're going to give out is female fighter of the year. And the criteria for this one's the same as the male fighter. They had to have fought more than once, and I look at their performances or what they were able to accomplish and what they did in a given year. So with that out of the way, Truth be told, this was actually a pretty easy one for me. This was the easiest choice to make. Right from the get-go, I went with Valentina Shevchenko as my female fighter of the year. Later on, I did consider Cyborg just because she also fought twice and won a title and all that stuff. But ultimately, I went with Valentina because she continued her dominance in the Premier League of MMA that being the UFC, which has always kind of been the, the gold standard. For me personally, I feel that even though she experienced a little bit of trouble with Jennifer Maya, it was a dominant performance by Valentina Shevchenko. She may have lost a round or what have you, but we got to see how she responded to adversity, and we got to see her resolve, which I thought was noteworthy. I felt that Valentina responded very well to continue her winning streak and her title run. 
overall, Valentina just continued her dominant ways at flyweight. With all that being said, I felt that warranted her to be the fighter of the year. And I feel that she was facing the best competition available to her. With Cyborg, as far as the level of competition, I didn't quite get that from her. Not to say that she wasn't beating good fighters. I just felt that with Valentina, she was doing it against the best of her division or the best that was available. So there you go. That's my best of 2020 episode. That's all the awards that we have. Before I sign off, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm excited to have a full calendar year to grow this podcast and release episodes. It's been an interesting experience. It's been a fun experience. So I'm excited to see what comes next. I'm really looking forward to it. And I thank people who've been joining us and helping out in this process so far. As a heads up on Friday, I'm going to release a prediction video for the upcoming Holloway versus Cater card that's happening on ABC. It'll be a short video where I talk about the significance of the UFC's debut on the ABC network, and I also give my predictions on who I think will win. But in the meantime, if you like the show, you can follow us on Instagram at Unified Rules Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Unified Rules PO1 with a capital U at the beginning. And you can email us at unifiedrulespodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you guys for listening to the Unified Rules of Podcast. I'm Eric Hamidi. Stay safe. Have a nice day.